Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest in Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars? Well, have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Tony from Good Morning America. And together, we're taking you Inside Disney. Hello. Welcome back, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. good. The band is back together. I love it. Yes. The long-awaited reunion tour. (laughs) Once a week, whether we like it or not. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I am back. I I was in Memphis with our pal Becky, our guest last week, for the opening of Inside the Walt Disney Archives at Graceland uh, Exhibition Center. It was amazing. It was so much fun. The exhibit is incredible. It is about, I'd say, 90% of what people maybe saw at the Bowers Museum down in Santa Ana. They put in some new stuff. There's a Wolverine costume. There's one of Reese Witherspoon's dresses from Walk the Line. They added, and also because it's Graceland and because Elvis's biggest fan is of course Stitch, they added in some great artwork from Lilo and Stitch, which is just terrific. So fans loved it. Um, We did a big D23 member event there, which was terrific. Becky was there. Our pals, Brett Iwin, the voice of Mickey Mouse and Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy were there. It was just terrific. So um, if you were in the Memphis area, I highly recommend going and seeing that exhibit. They've done a fantastic job at Graceland. The Graceland team was just lovely to work with and, and be there with. That was fun. I came back. The day after I got back, I was able to go to the El Capitan and see a special screening of Jungle Cruise, which uh, we'll talk about <gasps> wow. later. So much fun. The chemistry between Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt is fantastic. They're so good. The puns. I mean, you know, <laughs> I take nothing for granted anymore. That really rocked. Oh, <laughs> yes, 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 please. Uh, and I will take some more. And just great to be um, at the El Capitan Theater. I always love how beautiful that theater is. It's gorgeous. And uh, Rob Richards back at the organ. And like if he has featured in One Day at Disney, for those of you who know Rob Richards, just a pure Disney delight. It was great. Ah, and also wanted to give a shout out to uh, some of our friends on the Twitter who have given us shouts out. We know <laughs> that Sherry avoids the Twitter. <laughs> but Skyam, Shelly, Godfrin or Godfrin, I'm not sure. Rafael Rojas, our good pal. Thank Rafael. you all for your kind comments about last week's episode. So much fun. Also on Twitter, I noticed, guys, this I thought was super funny. Our friends at ESPN put out a tweet that said, name something that isn't an Olympic sport, but feels like an Olympic sport. Hmm. The fabulous, the wonderful, our pal Patty Murin writes in, playing Anna in Frozen. Now- <laughs> Oh my gosh, 100% RT. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I, Patty originated the role of Anna in Frozen. And if you've seen the show, you know that Anna is on stage a tremendous amount of time. And, and she and character of Elsa both sing so much. I'm exhausted watching them. So I do believe that I think playing Anna in Frozen could be an Olympic sport. Okay, that was a lot for me. <laughs> speaking of Broadway, Tony, what, what's been going on with you? Yeah, speaking of Broadway and speaking of theaters, I was in a Broadway theater last week oh, for yes. live at the New Am, put on by Disney on Broadway at the New Amsterdam Theater here in New York City to help out the Actors Fund. And let me tell you, it was two hours of Disney bliss. It was incredible to be back in a Broadway theater. I sobbed at every song, Mm. just immense Mm. talent. Mm. Every time they belted something, I was like, literally how? (laughs) So it's just like, what? Incredible Favorite song, favorite song, what a highlight. 
we want to highlight oh, what's favorite. Yes. Well, obviously, I, not to no spoilers here, but obviously, let it go. They finished off yes. with let it go, oh. and I, it was perfect in every single way. But they had some surprises in there. They did Newsies, Freaky Friday, Ooh. Aida. The full Disney on Broadway portfolio was on display, and it was mm. incredible. So cool. And Tony, I think congratulations are in order. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh, I posted about it. However. I got my little Pluto five-year service pin for my Yay! five years at GMA. Congratulations. Fun. Amazing. So, Where are you going to put it? Fun. Where are you going to pin it? Where will it be on I display? No, <laughs> I want to make that this cute little shadow box, little homage with a, a box of my Disney stuff. I think it's going to go on there, but. Yeah. Beautiful. Your Great own little edition. bowers. I know. I love it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Graceland, I guess. <laughs> All of it. It's all, yes. it's all good. And Sherry. Well, Jeffrey, I know that you're back on the studio a lot because as our listeners know, we can see each other on zoom. So I can see your office right now. <laughs> I got to go back to the lot to record some TikToks for Disney mm. this week and gave a little studio lot tour. If you aren't following Disney on TikTok, check it out. I was so flattered because a couple of people in the comments recognized my voice i didn't oh my god really? they're like wait as a minute. you say that sherry oh my gosh i do recognize that voice oh my <gasps> god it's you it's me surprise <laughs> oh. yes so if you aren't following disney on tiktok check it out there's so much fun behind the scenes magic some of your favorite clips and characters and just all kinds of things i know i'm not on the tweeter but i am on the tiktok <laughs> so the check it out but yeah, in the tour, I point out Pluto's Corner. Mm. Legends Plaza has its own TikTok. I mean, 60 seconds isn't enough for Legends Plaza. Point out totally. the old animation building, just everything there is to see on the lot. Oh, very cool. Well, speaking of animation and some of our Fab Five, our guests coming up are giving us the full wonderful world of Mickey Mouse experience. Yeah. So to talk to yes. Paul Rudish and Elsa Chang. Yes, Ooh, yes, great. yes. And they reveal a bunch of the Easter eggs. We really get into it with them about the great classic Disney movie and theme park attraction Easter eggs they have planted in this new season. But big news, big news. Tickets are on sale today for Destination D23 2021 Walt Disney Yay! World. It's happening. Very exciting. We cannot wait to go back to Disney World, Destination D, which we had to postpone from last year. Amazing. Uh, of course, we're going to be celebrating 50 years of Walt Disney World Resort with some incredible panels. There are also going to be panels about Encanto, yes. the incredible Michael James Scott, who played Genie in Disney on Broadway's Aladdin, will be there. Disney's acapella fabulous sensation. Dee Capella is going to be performing. Disney Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh Tomorrow is going to be uh, hopefully making some big news and some big reveals or even little news, little reveals. We'll take it. We'll take anything. <laughs> and very excited Disney CEO Bob Chapek will be there to welcome everyone with a special welcome presentation. So awesome. Mickey's of Glendale is creating exclusive merchandise and setting up a pop-up shop. For those of you who don't know, that's the store on the Walt Disney Imagineering Campus. And the Walt Disney Archives is doing a very special exhibit tied to the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. So you can go to d23.com for all of the details on that. I cannot wait. That's awesome. Well, from one exciting announcement to another, some exciting news here, the mm. participants for the Disney Accelerator program have been announced. So this program, Ooh. you guys, is designed to accelerate growth for innovative companies with a three-month mentorship program, connecting them with of course, a rich creativity and expertise here at Disney. So eight companies were chosen and you can read all about them and the program at DisneyAccelerator.com. 
Very cool. Very cool. I maybe should have like led with this because it was the most exciting news of my life, which is that beginning August 9th, the Disney dream is going to be returning to cruising from Port Canaveral. Uh, Jeffrey, I don't know how you are containing yourself what in the right world? now. Like your composure right Third now. story? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> I may have teared up a little upon reading the news. Not only am I excited for myself because I cannot wait to get back on a cruise ship, but I have, I have a bunch of friends who work for Cruise Line who I know are excited to be going back. So if, if they're listening, shout out to Reagan or, and Madeline and David. So happy that my friends get to go back to work and I'm excited to set sail. Amazing. Cough, cough. Disney D23 at sea. Cough, cough, cough. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> Paging Disney Cruise Line. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone's out there. Well, some news from home. Comic-Con at home, that is, which wrapped this week. Here are some of the highlights. Number one on my list here, The Simpsons, season 33, you guys. Wow. Yes. Will premiere with not only a great episode, but a musical episode. The producer is sharing that the September 26th premiere is, quote, almost wall-to-wall music, which Mm. I can barely imagine, but I'm really, (laughs) really looking forward to September 26th. We love The Simpsons. Sherry, Yeardley Smith, she was, I mean, yes, when she came on the, the show, friend of the pod. So if you've not heard Yeardley Smith on the podcast, definitely I, I would go search that one out. She's great. She does do Lisa Simpson for us. It, she was <sighs> fantastic. Sorry, Tony. So good. No, that's great. I mean, also announced season three of Amphibia premieres on October 2nd on Disney mm. Channel with guest stars whew, Whoopi Goldberg, RuPaul, yes. Brad Garrett, <laughs> Melissa Villasenor, just to name a few. So really excited. There's some great fun news coming out of Comic-Con at home this year. Amazing. So cool. Well, guys, I am happier than ever because Billie Eilish is making her <gasps> Disney Plus debut with Yay! Happier Than Ever, a love letter to Los Angeles. Mm. I am oh so thrilled. It's a cinematic concert experience premiering globally Friday, September 3rd. Grammy award-winning Billie, chart-topping Billy. Also, just like the epitome of cool person, Billy. I cannot wait. It's Mm. going to be an intimate performance of every song from her new album in order for the first and only time from the stage of the legendary Hollywood Bowl. Guys, I don't know if I ever talked about this, but in 2019, I choreographed a dance to one of her older songs. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) On her 2019 album. And uh, can't wait for this new album to drop. I'll choreograph a new dance. And the three of us, we can learn it over Zoom. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Honestly, I'm coming over right now, Sherry. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And I love how, like, Disney Plus has become this great music hub. This great, you know, with Taylor Taylor Swift, Swift, Beyonce. I mean, it's this great destination for these incredible artists. Honestly, it's like they have access to my music accounts because like <laughs> those are my top three artists i'm not kidding well sherry i know you do work with the disney plus team so yeah. i'm not saying that someone's well, maybe not fiddling through your ipod playlist strings. well <laughs> i actually just said ipod playlist too honestly oh. i didn't like this is how old i am people sorry <laughs> moving on. well speaking of streams coming true Disney Plus unveiled a new lineup for Pixar's Spark Shorts program. There'll be two new shorts coming in September, as well as Mm. a feature length documentary. That's kind of like a behind the scenes look at creating these Spark Shorts. So the two that are coming are 20 something. It's hand-drawn animation, which we know is a rarity for Pixar. Mm -hmm. That launches September 10th on Disney Plus. 
And then Nona comes a week later, September 17th. And then A Spark Story, the feature-length film, debuts September 24th. Mm. Yeah. Nona. I love it. I am sure all of those things will end up on this list, but you know what it is now time for? <gasps> a dessert list? Ooh. Ooh. Again with the food. You're like, dinner. You're always, it's always some food-related thing, and then I'm always hungry. But, it's the time of day we tape these. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. It could be. I also love that you said tape. That's something I would say with my iPod and my I'm, I'm showing my age now, I guess. Oh my goodness. My rotary phone. Um, no, it is time for five fantastic things to watch this weekend. Courtesy of our friends at D23, the official Disney fan club. For complete listings, visit D23.com. Sherry, what's up first? Well, speaking of food, kind of, get your lasagna ready. Because ooh, new ooh, to ooh, the ooh. library on Disney Plus is Garfield on Friday. Yes. Love this movie. Yay. Love Bill Murray. It's such a fun one. Check it out. Very cool. Well, also on Friday, it is the 35th anniversary of Flight of the Navigator. Wow. Ooh. What better way to, to celebrate that by my watching it on Disney Plus Friday, July 30th. Next up, premiering on Friday, July 30th. I am uh, leading into this. We've already mentioned it. Jungle Cruise is here. Yes. In yes, theaters yes. and Disney Plus with premiere access, starring, of course, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. Amazing. And if you can't get enough Emily Blunt, and really who can, on Sunday, August 1st <laughs> on Hulu, you can watch Gulliver's Travels, which is joining the Hulu library that day. Um, and, and other stars in that are, of course, Jack Black and Jason Siegel. But really, it's all about Emily Blunt because it's Jungle Cruise and moving on. Tony, what's next? <laughs> well, finally, I'm excited for this one. Coming to Hulu also, Sunday, August 1st, King Arthur, a reinterpretation of the classic tale starring Clive Owen and Kira Knightley. How about that? Nice. On to our guests. We all know the world is a little more wonderful with Mickey in it. So today we have two great talents who work on the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse. The second season of these delightful shorts comes to Disney Plus on July 28th, and we had the pleasure of speaking with character designer Elsa Chang at the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at Disney's Hollywood Studios last year, and we've not yet had the pleasure of speaking with the executive producer, Paul Rudish, but we are about to remedy that today. Please welcome to the show, Elsa Chang and Paul Rudish. So, Paul, we've been fans of the shorts for a long time in all their incarnations. And interestingly, I heard that the look and feel of the characters were inspired by early comics. So I would love if you could tell us more about that. And Elsa, I would love if you could tell us about adapting them. So to Paul first. Sure. Uh, I mean, definitely inspired by, you know, the, all the cartoons from the 20s and the 30s, you know, all the old black and white ones. Also, you know, the original comic strips from that same era. The comic strips, you know, were just drawn really wonderfully, obviously based on Walt's, you know, work from the original cartoons. Floyd Godfordson, who drew those early comic strips, really had uh, a really great graphic style and, you know, taking what Walt and Ub had done and really dialing those in. It was a great resource for us to look in there and, you know, look for incidental characters and look at, you know, how to treat designs in that 1930s style. Yeah, that was a really good resource for us that we dip into a lot. Yeah, and as for adapting them, I believe Paul and an artist named Alex Kerwan, they worked together on kind of establishing the style and particular rules 
for the Mickey Mouse shorts. Obviously drawing a lot from the original 1930s shorts and as well as the comics. And then my job is just to make sure that all the characters that we draw are on model based off the model sheets that were created. There's a lot of fun little splashing and stretching and a lot of elements that you see in the old cartoons that are brought into this more contemporary style and try to keep the, the very like zany rubber hosey animation and make it look as fun as possible. One thing I noticed in this batch of shorts was that they seem to feature a lot more of what, what we might all consider the classic Disney characters like Cinderella's fairy godmother, Snow White's Wicked Queen, and even briefly Walt himself. Paul, can you talk about the decision to do that? And Elsa, can you talk about making sure the characters are still true to their origins while fitting into this wonderful world? From day one, we kind of felt like the whole Disney universe was at Mickey's disposal. Just there being a larger Disney universe, you know, like the Marvel universe, kind of felt like somehow all the Disney things all live together in some unified Disney universe. I think maybe that comes from the theme parks, that whole idea of, you know, you can go to a Disney world and experience everything that Disney has ever done. And they're all kind of mashed together. And, you know, within the parks, you're going to find Mickey and the Fab Five everywhere, whether it's Tomorrowland, Adventureland, you know, there's costume characters, versions of them. And, and Mickey's kind of your avatar, you know, your guide through all of these lands and stuff. I think that just kind of subconsciously permeated into, oh, yeah, there's no reason we can't throw Cinderella in here, right? And everyone seemed to not have a whole lot of pushback on that. So it just kind of became a thing percolated throughout all of our incarnations of the cartoons. Like in earlier seasons, we kind of did more international ideas where we'd put Mickey in different countries or different cities all around the globe. In this season, we leaned more into actually kind of theming things around the parks a little bit more, as opposed to going to a particular international location, we would go thematic. And so we could do a quote unquote, Frontierland episode or a Tomorrowland episode, things that felt like they could exist in those genres that, that we have at the parks. And as for adapting other characters from different Disney universes into the shorts, pretty much the characters, we try to make them look as close to the original as possible. We might simplify a few things here and there. But, you know, the, the general shape and particular maybe things that stand out, maybe if they have like uh, the certain way the hair looks or if they have a, a beauty mark or something, we obviously add, uh, keep those in. But generally, you know, we, we try to make it fit the style of the show by changing the line weight of it, making sure that the lines kind of taper, they're thin to thick. And usually just using that will bring the characters into the style of the show. Wow, that is true Disney magic right before your eyes. <laughs> well, in the shorts, there are so many great Easter eggs for Disney fans. Do each of you have a favorite? Well, she's not like a hidden Easter egg, but the episode with the Wicked Witch is particularly fun for me just pitting Mickey against the old hag 
and almost doing a Roadrunner Coyote kind of back and forth with the two of them is particularly funny for me. And Eddie Trigueros, our director, and Kristen, our storyboard artist, she they both did a fantastic job on that. And I was just laughing every time they were pitching it. Like even though I'd seen it seven times, every time they'd pitch it again, I would still crack up. So look towards that one. That one's gonna be really nice. What about you, Elsa? Yeah, I think the favorites of mine were the episodes where they were based off of uh, Disney attractions. So, you know, I love going to the parks and being able to create uh, episodes based off of, like Paul says, like Adventureland or Tomorrowland. There are little things here and there, like particular characters that you would find at the park that you would see in the episodes. I think one of them has the Dapper Dans in it. So yeah, that, that's always a joy. Well, I was looking and I thought, I, I, and then I went online and, you know, of course, looked for like original ones. And it was amazing because I was watching it and I thought, it, I feel like I'm watching the original fairy godmother from Cinderella. And yet you can see that it was adapted, but my brain didn't think it was different because it was adapted so perfectly into the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse that it felt like balanced in that universe, but still to me, to my brain looked like it did in the original. Paul, I know you talked about having the Wicked Queen in one of the episodes of Once Upon an Apple, which was honestly one of the funniest things. I, I laughed out loud so much during that. But my favorite part of that may have been all the cameos by Mr. Toad. Is he a favorite attraction character? Like what, why Mr. Toad? Why not a, another character? I, I was just, I loved it. We got a lot of love for Mr. Toad. Both the ride is really fun and, you know, the cartoon was a lot of fun. He's just, just another one that we like. And, you know, as soon as we thought of who needs a flat tire? Oh, the one who loves motocars. All right, get over here, Mr. Toad. Well, we don't want to give away all the attraction and character cameos, but I will only say there are a ton. Uh, but for both of you, is there a classic character or attraction you'd like to include in the shorts going forward? Yeah, what haven't we hit? I don't have one particular one that, you know, I'm aching to do. They, they kind of just present themselves when the story's right. You know, when a joke seems, you know, within their vicinity, it's like, oh, you come over here and you're going to play the part of this character for this joke. That's going to be perfect. So it's just, again, it's just fun to be able to pull on the whole library at will. Yeah. One thing about Mickey is like, you can literally put him anywhere in any universe I personally would love to see more of like him going somewhere international, like we did Thailand and China and Australia and Russia. I personally really like those. But as far as maybe another Disney universe, I think selfishly, my favorite movie, Lion King or Wreck-It Ralph, I think it would be really funny. Mm, I can see that. it now. Yes, do it, do it. <laughs> there was a Lion King joke in one episode that had to get cut for time, unfortunately. So oh, no. there's a Lion King cameo on the cutting room floor. If you guys want to come to the editing bay and poke around. Well, as, as they might say, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you've worked on these incredible new shorts. Do you each have a favorite classic Mickey short? Hmm. Well, I sure like playing crazy just for the precedence of it. The, birth of Mickey Mouse. I like uh, Mickey's cab or Mickey's taxi, I believe, where, you know, he has an anthropomorphic cab and he's just going around giving rides to various crazy customers that 
create crazy problems on the road for him. That one's particularly slapsticky. Yeah, I would have to agree with playing crazy as well. I remember going to the is it the Penny Theater on Main Street in Disneyland, and they would play several of the shorts. I remember very vividly that playing crazy was one of the ones they would play, and I would just go in there and just like you know just to kind of get away from the crowd, just uh, step into the theater and just in, enjoy the shorts. And yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, same. I used to love the arcade there first time I went to Disneyland was before anything was even on VHS. You know, this is way back when. So you rarely got to see those black and white cartoons. And yeah, I could spend almost all day in there, you know, and the rest of my family's like, come on, let's actually ride some rides. And I'm like perfectly content watching the old cartoons. I love hearing that about the classic shorts. But the big cheese, you guys, our pal Mickey Mouse is so beloved by so many, as we all know. I have to ask, how do you work to make the short so funny, but also be reverent to the character that is the Mickey Mouse? I think that just kind of comes from a natural reverence that the whole crew has for, you know, the property and the whole legacy, you know, and Mickey as a character, just being such a positive, good-hearted fella, you can't not love him. And of course, you know, we do a lot of irreverent things, but because Mickey always comes out on top, you know, he, he redeems any questionable things we might've put him through. He comes out shining. So it's all right, even if we put him through the ringer. But, you know, again, that's kind of where most of the, the humor comes from is this naive, positive fellow that just walks into these terrible situations and has to somehow, you know, get his head above water and get over this, whatever this obnoxious thing that's happening to him. Awesome. What about you, Elsa? Yeah, I think um, credit has to go to our directors and our writers. Um, A lot of them come from different animation backgrounds. So they've worked on other various shows and they kind of bring their own specific spin and their their flair to putting um, Mickey in really funny situations. Definitely the, the whole crew, we all work together to really create a, you know, really solid foundation for him and really fun characters for him to interact with. And we have a lot of fun in our show. So uh, that obviously very, that it shows through in uh, the series. And our writer is, is really good about keeping a, a through line of emotion, uh, is, you know, and like pegging what's the emotional state that Mickey's going through and what's kind of the emotional angle so that, um, you know, we'll be piling on crazy jokes and stuff, but he kind of has a really good eye to, to keep, you know, how's Mickey feeling about this? And, you know, what is the end goal that we're looking for? And, and to make sure that, that, you know, we're like touching base with Mickey and following his feelings throughout the story. And it isn't just a string of, of gags. There's, you know, Mickey's progression and his, you know, his low point, And then how does he buck up with his true intention to win the day? And he keeps track of the heart in it. Mm. That helps police us <laughs> so that we don't get too wet. Well, Elsa, we know that you got to experience Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. But Paul, have you had the chance yet? Yeah. Ooh, what did you think? <laughs> oh, man, I was blown away. I mean, I've been helping develop it and I've seen mock-ups and seen you know different steps throughout the project over the years and so you know I thought I knew what it was going to be 
but once you see it all put together and you're in that space and all the elements are all coming together at the same time, it was like, I didn't know anything about it. I was completely blown away. And yeah, I think it's really fantastic. Uh, yeah. I think Jeffrey and I rode like five times in a row, maybe. <laughs> and each time was a totally new experience. Like you were saying, like being in the space, it's, it's different. And I can't imagine from your perspective, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, some of my favorite rides are, you know, the the blacklight rides, you know, like Alice and Peter Pan. And I like the that kind of 2D cutouts and stuff, you know, driving through an illustration. And then this is like those just turned all the way up to 11. So, yeah, it was really in my wheelhouse. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I actually it's, it's funny you would say that because it's to me, some of the Fantasyland rides, they've they've worked very, I think Imagineering has done such a brilliant job of making them more dimensional over the years, whereas part of the beauty of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is it, it's like you feel like you've gone into a 2D in this very, like it, it still feels so true to the 2D world that you both created while being a three-dimensional experience. Can you talk about working, collaborating with Imagineering on that and, and ways that you work to preserve that element? Well, from the beginning, that was kind of their uh, approach to it. And as I said, you know, I, I love the, those dark light rides. And so, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, it's fun to drive through a pop-up book, you know, but how do we make this like a, an incredible, exciting pop-up book? And yeah, it was just a lot of brainstorming back and forth. Uh, lots of crazy ideas were thrown out. And then ultimately, somebody has to come in that actually can apply math to all of these things. And like, okay, that's a fun idea. Now, how can we like physically make this happen? And being amazed at how often one of the Imagineers would go, oh, I've got this crazy technique where we can backlight a thing and it'll glow through here and it'll create this effect. And just going, wow, that's just watching these wizards pull these magic tricks out of their pockets is, was really cool. You know, like I said, you throw out some crazy idea that you like, I have no idea how that could actually get implemented. And then someone goes, oh, I've got a trick. Let me go uh, do some algebra here. Sounds like a Sharita Carter, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and her whole team, yeah, she's got yeah. a whole bunch of wizards apprentices under her. That's true. Well, we are huge fans of Chuby. <laughs> Is there any chance we get to see him in the shorts someday? Fingers crossed. Someday he might fly through. Oh. We're putting it out there. All We're putting right. it out there. Keeping an eye out. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was an accidental star. We were surprised the reception he got. He was just one of the little singing birds, but you know, everyone, like Sharita and everybody just loved him so much. And, and then eventually they're like, can we get another scene with, with Chuby, you know, as we exit the ride and, and kind of bookend the ride with him. <laughs> and then they came out, with, they put him on socks and plushies and it's like, all right. Yep. It's Chuby's Runaway Railway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, switching gears a bit, Paul, uh, you also worked a while back on Clone Wars. What was it like playing, I mean... First of all, in the Star Wars sandbox, number one. But what's it been like seeing how that show has lived on in new ways? Uh, cool. Um, <laughs> in a word. Yeah. I mean, cool. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Back when the Star Wars holiday special came out and they had that animated bit in that, 
you know, I was like, I don't know, eight when that came out. I was so psyched to see a Star Wars cartoon. I even got out my tape recorder. It wasn't even VHS at that point. I just, it was just audio. And I like recorded the whole audio to the whole show, which is an hour and a half of Wookiee grumbling mostly. But I'd always fast forward to the cartoon part and then try to, I made a comic book trying to remember how the cartoon went. And I was just really inspired by that drawing style from uh, Nelvana Studios. And then when the opportunity to work on Clone Wars came around, I, again, just pulled out all my Nelvana reference and they're heavily inspired by that. And again, being a huge Star Wars fan, the opportunity to get to play in that space was incredible and explore, you know, when Jedi's were cool. And so that was like, a, is something again that I'd always thought about as a kid. Like, what was it like when Obi-Wan and Anakin were young and they were knights and did they joust on, on monster beasts or, you know, what kind of stuff did they do? And then to have the opportunity to put those kinds of things that I used to think about when I was eight and nine into effect was, was yeah, it was really a treat. And I like Star Wars ancillary materials. And so I'm glad to see that that has continued on and and yeah, Star Wars is such a broad universe. It's fun that, you know, you can find all kinds of new stories and new characters in there, but it still feels like the same universe. Wow. Well, that is cool indeed. That's the perfect word for it. Well, it has been so wonderful talking to you again, Elsa, and you for the first time, Paul. We end each interview by asking our guests the same question. So that question for you is, what is your favorite Disney memory? no pressure at all to either mm. of you. <laughs> I guess my favorite Disney memory would have to be getting to make Mickey Mouse cartoons. Yeah, this whole production has been so much fun and working with so many incredibly talented people that all have a love for the project. And my Disney experience at TVA has got to be my favorite. Again, I wanted to grow up to be Mark Davis. And so to be able to have the chance to work with Imagineering on a project is pretty incredible. So totally, totally. other than saying, you know, Peter Pan and Alice are my favorite films, I guess I'd have to say, you know, if this sounds corny, but being part of the magic, quote unquote, has really been wonderful. There is no such thing as corny on this podcast. We understand that 100%. <laughs> Elsa, how about you? I would have to piggyback off of that one too. Um, I, I completely agree. You know, it's been such a joy and honor to work with Paul and the crew on this contemporary Mickey Mouse that I've admired ever since uh, it released in 2012. I remember seeing it the first time on YouTube. I was like, wow, this is the most like beautiful, short, cartoon series that I've ever seen. I just love the backgrounds and the way the characters animated. It was so fluid. It was it was just so pleasing to the eye. And so to be able to be a part of it has been a very magical journey. Magical indeed. Elsa, Paul, this has been fantastic. We are, again, such huge fans of the shorts. Congratulations on this new season and all of the Disney magic that you have put into it. Thank you. And we can't wait to have you on the show again. Great. Yeah. Thank you for having us. I'll keep an eye out for Chuby. <laughs> Yay. Wow. Every chance we get, we've got to keep lobbying for a Chuby short, a Chuby feature film, maybe. <laughs> Yes. More Chubby merch. Ooh, Chubby. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. 
Well, thank you again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.